0: You're listening to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is.
1: Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 317. On the show today, I am going to be chatting with So Below, and we had a fun chat, and we'll get to that in just a bit. But first, we have uh, some music to listen to, some emails to read, some birthdays to do, and hopefully I'll be able to record all this and you won't hear the construction going on outside. I think for the past week, there's just been a cement mixer parked directly outside the window where I record and today my landlord is just tearing down the garage and so (laughs) i think they're on lunch Anyway, let's get the show started and listen to some cool music, okay? So the other day, my wife was watching Moonfall, and I was just sitting there, I think I was just doing work on my computer, just editing away. And anyway, Moonfall is a very silly film. But you know that joke, you know, when you watch a silly movie, and then at the end you go like, oh, the best part of the movie was when it was over. <laughs> well, in this case, it was actually true, because when the movie was over, all of a sudden this cool song started playing. And so even though I was sitting there like just making snarky jokes while the film was going by, uh, the second it ended, all all of a sudden, I was like, "Well, this song's fucking cool," and uh, so I'm off to YouTube, you know, trying to figure out like what is the song at the end of Moonfall. So that's what we're gonna play right now. It's a track by Luca Closer called "One More Time." And that was Luca Closer with One More Time. And, of course, that was off the the Moonfall soundtrack. And uh, no offense to Roland Emmerich, but this song was definitely the best part of that film. But I'll take my cool music wherever I can get it. So uh, go check out the music of Luca Closer. And, of course, that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. I would like to report that Albion Algorithm has upgraded his support. That's right, Albion Algorithm is now in the 1302 Club, so good for you, Albion Algorithm. And he wrote me on uh, Discord, he said, uh, Hey Andy, Albion Algorithm here, been a good couple of years, and I've been subbed and now upgraded my support to give you £10 a month. Oh, I get it, so £10 a month equals 13 1302 Canadian dollars. <laughs> I finally caught up on the show as I listened to this show while working across the UK on offshore wind farms. I really enjoyed episode 300. It was a great one and reminded me to buy more music from those artists. Synthwave now makes up most of what I listen to and I couldn't be happier. Anyways, take care Andy and looking forward to another few years of great music and keep on being a cool guy. Well, listen, man, you're a cool guy. I'll be an algorithm. You know what? What is an offshore wind farm? Write me back and let me know what an offshore wind farm is. I don't think I know what that is. Anyway, the point is, uh, thanks for supporting the show. I guess I can also report, although David Evans didn't write me a letter, but he did upgrade his support. That's right, David Evans, no longer a heathen. He's decided to put the donation of the beast behind him and join the $10 Club. It's a great club, and now David Evans is a member. And that's what I like about David Evans. He's a cool guy. Let's listen to some more music. We gotta do birthdays. I think I have a few more letters to read, and then uh, we will chat with so below. So this is a track from Tommy86, and this is a remix done by a bunch of people with names I'm gonna have fun pronouncing. It's called Aurora. I should say it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Uh, The Kings of the Pattersons, you know their names. Mr. Chris Dance, Mr. Mike Shima, and Mystery Donor. (laughs) One of these days, Chris Dance, you should come on the show. I know we've chatted privately before, but I feel like you, you've you earned your spot to come on and chat. Unless you're a private man and you don't want to do stuff like that, but that's okay. I just want to show my appreciation, because Chris Dance is, uh, as you know, the king of the king of the Patterson, So, Anyway, let's listen to this track. This is Aurora by Tommy86, the Johan Agabjorn and Mikhail Ogren remix. Uh. And that was Tommy86 with the track Aurora, the Johan Agabjorn and Mikhail Ögren remix. And that is a cool song. And I believe that is how you pronounce when there's the O with the two dots over it. I think it's like an uh sound. But I could be wrong, because you know I always am. And of course, that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, we have a new patron this week, and I am talking about the very talented Glenn Main. That's right, Glenn Main. He's been on the show before. Uh, a very exciting episode of this show with a very crazy backstory. Glenn Main travels around and uh, does live performances at places, and uh, and he's a talented and nice guy. Nice guy. It's always weird when you say nice guy, because it's a compliment, but it sounds like, uh, he's nice. I don't know what... Anyway, Glenn Mayne's a cool guy, so welcome to the Patreon club. Uh, Glenn Mayne wrote me a letter. He says, At least I am able to support your great show with some cash and not only music and smiles. I'm back on track with gigs and play now every week somewhere. You are the best, man. By the way, how do I change my Patreon name to something funny? Best from Glenn Mayne. Um, I don't actually know. Who's someone who changes their Patreon name every week? I'm looking at you, Ethan. (laughs) Ethan, of course, changes his Patreon name all the time So you know what? Somebody help Glenn Mayne out Because I actually don't know how to do it Let him know so he can have some fun He deserves it And also, I would like to report What a busy week this is Maybe that's because this episode is late Uh, That Jean-Christophe LeConte Has upgraded his support That's right, he's another person who was in the Donation of the Beast Club who is now in the $10 club. Interesting. You and David Evans, huh? What's going on? Is there something sneaky going on that I don't know about? Is the Donation of the Beast Club not cool anymore? I guess I have been playing that jingle a lot less. Is that the deal? Jean Christophe is a cool guy And uh, thank you so much for supporting the show So how about this Let's uh, listen to another track And then we'll do some birthdays Oh, and I forgot to mention at the top of the show That I have a new Droid Bishop track to debut This thing doesn't come out for like three weeks Or two weeks Depending on when this episode drops, I, <laughs> you know my schedule's a little messed up. Uh, we'll listen to that one in a little bit. But first, I would like to listen to this track from Vector7. And uh, look, just the bass line in this song is so awesome. And when this uh, track popped up, I was very excited. Because I'm like, that is a fucking cool bass line. So we are going to all listen to it together now. I'd like to say that it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the Kroner Club. Hey, Glenn Mayne's part of the Kroner Club now. That's exciting. Along with uh, Emil and Hampus... And then we got Brandon Decker and Tim Carlton in the $50 Club. Oh shit, we gotta record that show sometime, Tim Carlton. I wanna know all about the history of the fucking Cisco Hold music, so we gotta know that. And Brandon Decker, well maybe you can also tell me about the history of the Cisco Hold music. And of course, Jacob Wick, my semi-sonic friend. And this is Vector 7, with Balance of Judgment. (laughs) And that was Vector 7 with Balance of Judgment, and that is a cool song, and it was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. Well, there's Retro Serenade with the 3333, and Mr. Magoo Samurai with the 33, and Hugh Hefna in the 2666 Club. Okay, let's do some birthdays. Come on! Well, first up, on April 21st, which was (laughs) either yesterday or the day before, uh, we got King Koopazilla. Happy birthday to King Koopazilla. Awesome uh, Patreon supporter. His birthday was the 21st. Sometimes it's fun to do a little research, see if anything interesting happened on your birthday. And in 1992, on April 21st, the first exoplanets are discovered. Polish astronomer Aleksander Wolsk-Wolsk-Scan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that fell apart quick. Uh, announced that he found two planets orbiting the pulsar PSR 1257-12. <laughs> I think I ran out of steam there. Uh, In 1509, Henry VIII is crowned King of England. In popular culture, the monarch is known mainly for his six marriages, two of which ended with the wife's execution. So I hope you're a better guy than Henry VIII. King Coopazilla, because I'll tell you something right now. Look, I don't want to lose listeners, but sometimes, you know, I I know people come to this place, and they're like, hey, Andy, man, you know, keep the real world stuff out of it, man, keep politics out of it, and, you know, sometimes you just gotta tell people, you just gotta say out loud, look, here is what I believe, okay, here is what is in my heart, and if you don't like it, then I don't want your business, you know what I'm saying, and so I gotta say this, if you execute your wives... I don't want you listening to my show, okay? Hey, I know this is going to stir some controversy here, and it's going to be like, Hey, Andy, why didn't Andy keep his mouth closed? but I just want to put that out there, man. Thankfully, though, I think King Koopazilla is a cool guy and wouldn't do such a thing, and let's just hope that's true. Hey, Robert Smith was born in 1959 on April 21st. Look at that. English singer, songwriter, and guitarist. And Iggy Pop in 1947. You also share a birthday with Queen Elizabeth II, 1926. I believe that makes her a very old lady. And then on April 27th, We got Dennis LaFunk. Happy birthday to Dennis LaFunk on April 27th. Did you know, Dennis, that in 1810, Beethoven composed Fur Elise? Did you know that? Let's play a, like, kind of cheap chiptune version. That's right, Bagatelle number twenty-five for the solo piano is one of the German composer's most popular works and one of the most recognized melodies in the history of music. Isn't that exciting, Dennis? Dennis is always telling me how much he loves Fur Elise, and you know we'll we'll chat with each other and speculate, you know, just who is Elise? Ah, <laughs> uh, mystery lost to time. No one will ever know who the mysterious Elise is that this song is about. But nevertheless, Beethoven certainly made his stamp in history. <laughs> hey, in 1992, for the first time in its 700 year history, the British House of Commons is presided over by a female speaker on April 27th. That's right, Betty Boothroyd. There's a fucking British name for you. Boothroyd. <laughs> Uh, she served as Speaker of the House of Commons from 1992 to 2000, and you know, this is another thing that Dennis and I have talked about, because Dennis is a good guy. He is a good guy, alright? And he said to me, specifically, he said, because we were talking about listening to music and talking about, you know, different speaker sizes and stuff like that, and he said, you know what I love more than music speakers? And then he took a long pause and he said, female speakers. And that's when I knew that Dennis was a good guy. You know, a lot better than fucking King Kupazilla over there. That guy executes his wives. Allegedly. All right, let's listen to some music. Well, I teased it earlier. Droid Bishop has a new track coming out and we are debuting it right now. And in perfect Beyond Synth fashion, I think I've just... There you go, James. I'm just about to debut your song after going on a riff for four minutes about one of my patrons executing his wives. But look, the point is this. Droid Bishop is awesome. You know he's awesome. And it's always uh, a fun time to be able to debut a new Droid Bishop track. And I'd like to say that it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Awesome people like Clint Dowling, A Star Apart, Alex Seligson Blake Peterson, Cargo Cult Luau, and Eurobeat Intensifies. And don't forget to check out out A Star Apart's new album. Okay, now listen to this. This is Droid Bishop with the night. That was The Night by Droid Bishop. That's right. Ooh, we're debuting a track here today. We don't do that very often. I feel like I only do it with Droid Bishop songs. (laughs) Anyway, that song comes out, I think, in a few weeks for you to pick up, and so I suggest you do. And uh, that song, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club like Honeybeard, Johnny Five, Joey Richards, Kempson, Kenjaroo Neverman, and Restless Nights. Who is a cool guy? I should say that we have another birthday! There's one more! On April 29th, a very happy birthday to Mr. Gimpson! Happy birthday to you, dude. I went to sort of a shitty website today to get the historical facts, and uh, they only had like a few things listed. And I'm gonna be honest with you every time I look up one of your birthdays, and by your I mean, you know, Patreon supporters on Beyond Synth, there is always a historical Hitler thing. Like to the point, now that it's like a joke. Every time I go, I gotta look up, uh, you know, what happened on this day and date, there's always a fucking Hitler thing. Like, I swear, that asshole must have had some fucking complex calendar because he did a historical event every day. And it is literally a joke. Trust me. Go to one of those websites that's like, what happened on this date? And I guarantee you, every date, Hitler did something. So, instead of talking about him, Mr. Gimson, I would like to say that do you know that you share a birthday with Michelle Pfeiffer, American actress and singer? And then, that got me thinking because Michelle Pfeiffer is actually in some of my favorite movies and you know how when there's actors or actresses that are super famous you know like big Hollywood stars but they might not be in anything that you really like I was thinking about that the other day because I think we mentioned on the family show I think Mike was talking about Sandra Bullock and I'm like Sandra Bullock I don't think is in a single movie I give a shit about but then I realized I was wrong because she's in Speed and Speed's good and she's in Demolition Man and Demolition Man is also good so it turns out she is in two movies I like, but Michelle Pfeiffer is in two movies that I love because, of course, she is in Scarface, which is might be my favorite movie, and she's also in Batman Returns, which is my favorite Batman movie. And yes, I have seen the new Batman movie, and I liked it. I think my favorite part of the film, I know people were joking around that the movie was really dark, but I think the cinematography in that movie was awesome. Like, that was probably my favorite part, was just how cool that movie looked. And, of course, Michelle Pfeiffer also played Mindy Simmons in a classic Simpsons episode where she uh, she tempts Homer. Remember, she's like a cool new employee and then they have to go on a business trip together. But let me know because I think there's some actors and actresses who we see all the time and then you think about it and you're like, oh, wow, I don't think they pop up in any of my favorite stuff. And so who? let me know. Let me know if there's some of those people for you. And then, you know, you've got people that aren't great actors necessarily like you know like an Arnold who is in like 10 of my favorite movies you know what I mean so it's funny how that works out anyway listen let's uh let's listen to another track uh maybe read another letter and then we will go chat with So Below so this is a track from Radar and I love this one I know we were talking about like Beethoven earlier but I love when people put those fast like harpsichord like classical style you'll get it when you listen to the song I don't even know how the hell the word it. But I will say uh, that it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club. Did I say robot conglomerate? Because if I didn't, I should have. And then, of course, there's Sir Mike, the Techno Ben, your imaginary friend Petey, and Slade. And then, of course, there's Forged in Neon with a 2049. Hope you dig this. This is Radar with Skull and Keys. And that was Skull and Keys by Radar. But oh, there goes the fucking cement mixer. Jesus. Sorry. They, they... Part of the reason why this episode is late is the normal times I normally record the show, there's literally just been a cement mixer outside. And it's just spinning all day. <laughs> I would love it if he's just. It's like they're literally just making a giant cement cube. <laughs> That's why it's been going for so long. I just go outside and it's just a fucking box. I got a letter here from River Avenue. Well, actually, I think this was a comment I took from Discord, but he said, uh, I just finished re-listening to the episode with Mega Hit, and you spoke briefly about Modo. I just thought I'd let you know that I have a four-year-old boy, and for the past year and a half, his favorite song has been Eins Weins Polizei. When we have a gathering with family and friends, all the kids request songs, and I play them on the Bluetooth speaker. Frozen, Moana, The Wiggles all get requested by other kids. My son requests
0: Moto. That is amazing.
1: Moto is awesome. It's so sad that he's dead because Moto, I would have loved to talk to Moto. I have so many questions. And the legacy he's left behind are these really bizarre and repetitive dance tracks from the 90s where he just keeps on repeating the same German phrases over and over again. And his music videos are really bizarre. He's left behind a few music videos. And we used to listen to Moto and laugh our heads off. I just have lots of questions that are never going to get answered. The closest we ever got was there was one guy in the synthwave scene who used to work at a record store. I forget who it was now. He used to work at a record store and he said Moto used to come in. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, look, I'd rather listen to fucking Moto than the Wiggles. That's for sure. Actually, what the hell am I saying? <laughs> what kind of dumbass thing is that saying? I would rather listen to Moto than all of those things you mentioned. Alright? I've heard them too many times. You know, when you have kids, uh, I know I feel your pain, dude, because fucking Frozen. Jesus Christ, like how many times we've listened to those songs. And honestly, the song from Frozen 2 isn't even that good. Like, the first one was way catchier. I will admit, I think the Moana song is actually pretty catchy, so, it, like, that's fine. Uh, Wiggles is just standard fair children's music, so it's no good. So yeah, fucking Moto for the win, man. And then um, King Koopazilla wrote in, he said, Whatever happened with the Dungeons and Dragons episode? And uh, I just let him know, so I know, like,. <laughs> how many years ago is this now? That the family show, uh, Mike, Marco, and Florence, we recorded a science fiction Dungeons and Dragons episode that was moderated by awesome patron Mike Shima, who was our DM, and uh, the bottom line is, I just don't have time to edit the damn thing. So it's there. I feel like it'll be a fun novelty in a few years where I I think we all totally forget what happened. So it's gonna be funny when I finally get around to it, but that's just the bottom line. I don't have time, and I I don't necessarily have enough resources at the moment to pay people to do stuff like that because it sort of would be a big job because I was really hoping to edit it with sound effects and music and stuff like that and sort of change it to sound less like a D&D game and more like you're listening to a radio play and that is still what I want to do with it. Maybe in the future sometime when uh, you know Beyond Synth gets about five times more listeners and, <laughs> and financial support that I can actually hire someone that'll be probably job number one would be to edit that Episode And then possibly make it its own series, because we had a lot of fun recording it, so at some point I do hope to do it. I know some of you listeners get annoyed when I talk about stuff I'm trying to do and stuff, but believe me, in a perfect world, I would have one of those things, like, you know when you watch the popular YouTube channels and, you know, they've got a whole crew and they're putting out, like, three videos a day? I would love that, but you need, like, you need a team of people, right? And so... Uh, I can only do what I can do, but, uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe in the near future things will change slightly to a point where I might have a bit more time to work on stuff, but we will see. Anyways, let's listen to another song, and then we'll go chat with So Below, okay? But don't worry, King Koopazilla, it's coming. It just might be a few years, so hang in there, man. So this is a cool one. I don't know how I came across this one. Possibly it was sent to me? I actually don't remember. You know, my brain is, uh, turning to mush, but it's, uh, a group called Sacred Skin, and, uh, It's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $20 Club, we got Joshua Winter. With the 1988, we got Waylon Kasky Geospatial. With the 1986, we got Toots. In the 1985 Club, Rachel Buchelman and Sarah Buchelman. With the 1555, we got Gene Creamer Private Eye. Then there's Mads Baron Christensen. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Celia Lane. And I hope you dig this. This is Sacred Skin with no surprise we <laughs> And that was No Surprise by Sacred Skin. Yeah, that was a cool song. Don't forget to follow all the artists I play on the show. If you follow the show on Instagram, the Beyond Synth Instagram, or Facebook or Twitter, uh, I post all the links of the artists. Or, of course, if you listen to the show on SoundCloud, just click More Info button, and you'll have all the links to all the artists. So I highly recommend you check them out, because, uh, you know, everyone's making cool music, and we should, we should support the art because it's uh, one of the few things that keeps me going is awesome music. Anyways, on that note, let's go chat now. Oh, I should say, so we recorded this <laughs> we recorded this conversation a little while ago. This was before Spider-Man No Way Home came to video and before Batman was out, just so you know, cuz I think we we talk about those things and we do talk about them as though like Oh, I can't wait to see Spider Man, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, that's all I need to say about that. So, let us now go chat with So Below. All right, well, I am here right now with So. So Below, aka Maddie, is that correct? Mm-hmm,
2: that is correct.
1: And that is officially what you like to be called?
2: Yeah, my parents call me Madeline, and most everyone else on the planet calls me Maddie, so yeah.
1: Well, listen, let's dive in here and and talk about So Below. I'm sort of confused, actually, because hearing your accent now, you know, it says Auckland on the on the band camp, but I'm talking to you in Pacific Standard Time, so where are you right now? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I, lo- I actually live in los angeles i've lived here gosh like nine years i think okay so i feel like my accent is not as thick as it used to be and when i go home to new zealand everyone makes fun of my accent because it's like a hybrid of LA, gal, valley girl, and like,
1: you know, Auckland. Yeah. Now, is that just natural assimilation or are you trying purposefully to lose your accent?
2: No, I think it's just from the amount of time. I mean, I do remember when I first moved here like nine years ago, no one could understand what I was saying. And also (laughs) there was definite, no one got my humor. So it's a different vibe here. But now, obviously, I've, I've been here nine years and I'm good. But, um, yeah, definitely in the beginning, there was uh, no one can understand me, especially when I said my name, Maddie, they thought I was saying one, I went to a restaurant once and I, I was like table for Maddie. And she was like muddy, like mud. And I, <laughs> Cause we pronounce, we pronounce our A's kind of like use, I guess. Oh. Mm. At least I used to, but yeah, I've definitely um, changed my tune a little bit.
1: Wait, so why did you uh, leave New Zealand? It's a beautiful place, Lord of the Rings, etc.
2: I know. Every time I go back, I'm like, why did I leave? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Auckland is like... A pretty small place. Everyone knows everyone. I think I just wanted to change Like, and also it's like a big thing in New Zealand and Australia that when you're younger you go on an OE so that you go overseas. I guess OE stands for overseas experience. Everyone goes overseas so like I lived in Japan for like almost two years. Like, Some of my other friends lived in Italy or like my brother moved to China for two years. So it's like a very big part of New Zealand culture that everyone just leaves for extended periods of time. Right. I, I actually moved over here with a ton of like, I moved over here with like six friends at the time. And so many other New Zealanders every year have moved over since that I'm friends with. So I think that's just, you know, LA just has more opportunities. It's may, may not be as pretty as New Zealand, but um, mm-hmm. they have some pretty good uh, advantages.
1: Well, moving over with six friends, that sounds like a complicated OE. Did you all come at the same time?
2: We did. And we all lived in a house together for a year so that was good i mean it was kind of hard making money at the beginning you know i didn't have any contacts or like any way to kind of fund that so i mean it's it was helpful living with like other people and you know it was a good thing to fall back on like the community or whatever
1: (laughs) yeah 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 so then were you doing musical things in new zealand
2: i mean i I think i was like a little bit but not really i was just i first sort of started doing music i bought a mac for the first time and i was like garage band what's this and i just started making little vocal things and just little one or two minute songs and then yeah and then it was kind of only when i moved to the states and i was with other musicians and they were all like oh your stuff's cool we should write so i think i was just in a really amazing situation where i had multiple friends who were like crazy talented producers and musicians whereas like i think usually when you're sort of starting music, you kind of, you do things and it's a disaster and you do something else and it's like terrible. It's not your style. And then you change styles. But I think I was in a really fortunate situation where I was able to get across what I really wanted to do and they were able to execute it. So, yeah.
1: So then why did you move to LA? Like, it wasn't for music stuff. It was just to do?
2: Just for a change. And also, yeah, I just moved just to do a different work like i do have a full-time job to obviously pay for music because music is very expensive sure. it's like an endless pit where i throw all my money time and energy into and i get
1: <laughs> well especially of- <laughs> if you're buying macs <laughs> right i recently upgraded to a new laptop and i had to sell so much shit to pay to, for to it
2: pay- <laughs> i think i need to get a new lap- mac in the next year or so and i'm just like I do not even want to think about paying that amount of money. But I mean, obviously, it's like you sit on it all day. It it makes sense. Yeah. It's a worthwhile payment, but it's still like a huge chunk of money that no one wants to spend.
1: Yeah. I've just been (laughs) I've become like a Internet salesman all of a sudden. I've been going through all of my shelves of equipment and stuff like maybe I can sell these microphones. Uh, Uh, I haven't used these wires in a while. Like and I'm I'm finding out what is and isn't worth anything to people. Oh,
2: funny. Yeah, I've done that before.
1: The thing that surprises me is, like, it's cell phones. I thought, like, oh, it'd be easy to sell, like, some of my older cell phones. Like, cell phones, I think, become, like, completely worthless to people. Like, unless it's the model from last year. Like, it seems like no one wants to give you more than ten bucks for one. Are they iPhones? Uh, no. I had a Huawei. It was a really nice phone. had a great camera.
2: A Huawei? What is that?
1: I don't think (laughs) they sell them in the States. It's a Chinese company. It's still an expensive phone, but they just put all their effort into the camera. Oh. So, I... I bought it initially a few years ago because it had a very, very nice camera for the price point. Yeah. But then there's all that issue that they're maybe using the phones to spy on you and stuff like oh, that. No. So some people don't like being spied on, apparently.
2: No, thank you.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like they just become like bricks that no one wants. I mean, I did meet someone the other day that had like an iPhone 6 or something. And I, I asked them like five times. I was like, are you sure that's an iPhone 6? And they were like, yeah, it is. And I'm like and it's still working
1: (laughs) if it works that's actually surprising to me like i tried to use an old uh, mac laptop recently from like the early 2000s and it just didn't work like you can't use new web browsers on the old computers Mm -hmm. and you can't use the internet with old browsers because they don't recognize like the new sites and stuff so yeah but i mean ultimately i do prefer working on Macs.
2: i mean i haven't had a pc in like gosh Ten years, so I don't even I don't even think I'd remember how
1: to use it. Yeah, you just got to press Control instead of Command. Oh,
2: too confusing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look. The point is, let's listen to some music, and then we can sort of dive into the uh, the origins of So Below, and maybe you can explain what that means. Perfect. So I want to listen to this track because it's cool. It's called Ruin.
0: Ooh yeah.
1: And then we'll keep talking. So this is uh, Ruin by So Below. That was Ruin by So Below, and I'm here right now with So Below, a.k.a. Maddie. So, uh, yeah, tell me about that track.
2: Yeah, it's a cool song.
1: It is a cool song.
2: Yeah, I was in a session with two of my friends, and I had just finished watching Stranger Things season one. Hmm. What's the girl's name? Barbara? Barb?
1: The best friend? Yeah, it's Barb, the the redhead with glasses.
2: She, you know, had a bit of a rough time in that season, Mm -hmm. and I always had a soft spot for her because her friend abandons her. It's not very nice. She doesn't even care when she dies. It wasn't a great situation for Bob. So I was like in the room and I just said, yeah, let's write a song from Bob's perspective. So that's kind of what the song is about. I mean, it's. I feel like when you're in a session, you kind of start with an, like an idea like that where you are trying to attempt to write it from that perspective or about that point. But it sort of, it always evolves and changes and stuff. But that was the initial concept behind that song.
1: Wait, so is your process then to jam and like work things out? It sounds like you're sort of coming up with this on the spot.
2: It depends, but usually in a session, I don't, I haven't really produced any of my songs. I I work with producers. Um, That's definitely something I want to get into. But yeah, I usually you're in a room with a producer and then they start making some chords and then maybe like a beat and then I will have potentially like a phrase or like a word that sticks it in my brain that works with the song or a melody and then you think of a cool word maybe that could work with that melody it just depends like or sometimes I will come with something that I've already written and then I'll bring it to a producer but yeah it just depends sometimes you sit down with the producer and they'll be like what do you want to write about today or like what vibe do you want and then I'll say I want to write about Bob from Stranger Things and then and then away, <laughs> away we go <laughs> but that's session I had my friend Chelsea Jade who's another artist and we sort of co-wrote those lyrics together while our other friend Brad just produced it. So he was just kind of working on the beat. And then we were working on the fun yeah. lyrics.
1: <laughs> so do you have a producer that you work with more often? Or are you hopping all over the place?
2: I don't really um, hop around as much as I would like. I think that I do work with three main producers. But yeah, I mean, I have friends that just are in writing sessions every day with different people. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you get these contacts? I have no idea. I know that LA is the city for it. Um, I think those sorts of writing sessions where you everyone's just, it's a new producer every day. It's a
1: lot more pop. And it's mainly people just writing pop, like radio stuff. How would you... Define your genre?
2: I guess it is still quite pop. I used to call it goth pop, was, <laughs> was the phrase that I thought was a funny phrase to call it. But yeah, I guess it's a, like electronic pop. I have no idea. Well, it's kind of dark too, right? Yeah. What do you, I have no idea. Like dark synth pop? I have no yeah. idea. I'm really bad with genres. Everyone's always like, what does your music sound like? And I always just say, it's kind of like Grimes, but not like Grimes. And then they're like, oh, okay. Maybe like <laughs> yeah. Banks? I have no idea. And it also on my Spotify, like, Similar artists. I don't think any of the artists sound like me. So, but not to say like I'm unique. I'm just well, saying like yeah. they don't, they have a very different style to my style.
1: That's like the curse, right? Because you, it's cool when you can stand out from things, but then everything nowadays seems to function on an algorithm being able to put you in a specific place.
2: Exactly. That's what bothers me is because all of the similar artists to me are women. And I think that that's just because I'm a woman and all my favorite artists and men mostly Mm. and I feel like the algorithm is just like she's a woman therefore she is the same as this woman.
1: (laughs) Sometimes the algorithms aren't very smart.
2: (laughs) Yeah there's like so the most similar artist to me on Spotify is this band that I played with years ago but because Spotify draws information from like online as well there's obviously something online that says that we played a show together therefore we are similar artists so they're like the number one similar artist and I don't think they sound any
1: anything like me yeah no it's the same way you know when you go on like youtube and stuff and you click on one video and like how to make meatballs and then all of a sudden youtube exactly. just like oh you like uh, making meatballs huh and it's all mm-hmm. a bunch of meatball videos i'm like i just needed that one recipe <laughs> yeah very
2: true sorry i'm eating an olive
1: right
0: now
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> green or black well i like both but mm-hmm. it's green Okay. But yeah, for me, when I write music, I always just get to the end of the song and I go, if that was on the radio and I was driving in the car and I turned on the radio, would I change the channel or not? And then that's kind of what I go by. I just want to make music that I would listen to, that I would be like, that's cool and not change the
1: station. Yeah, that's become one of my favorite metrics for judging music. Like, it's just very elegant. Just if it came on the radio, would you shut it off or, or let it play? Because mm-hmm. actually, we've been doing these special episodes of Beyond Synth where we, we rank the Billboard hits of the 90s. Oh. <laughs> and that's the criteria I use to judge whether I give something a good score or not. Because yeah. the 90s were just all full of these cheesy, like, makeout music and corny love ballads. <laughs> and I'd shut most of that shit off.
2: So you would turn off Mariah.
1: I certainly would. Oh my gosh. In a heartbeat. Wow. And she's got a nice voice, but uh, I find the music behind it very cheesy. But then I've got really funny taste that way, because, for example, I don't hate Celine Dion.
2: I love Celine. But she's also Canadian, isn't she? So it sounds like you're maybe you're a little bit biased.
1: <laughs> oh, don't worry. There's plenty of Canadian musicians I'd shut off.
2: Ah, uh, well, there we go. I was... I'm mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, look. How about this? Instead of talking about this stuff, let's listen to more cool music. Well, you had you had a, uh, an EP one, and EP two, and then you released the whole thing as EP one slash two. Yeah, I did. I made a vinyl that's both of them. Right. Yeah. And so this was a track that I uh, another one I liked called Visions, which I thought was a cool song. Cool. So let's do that. This is uh, this is Visions by So Below.
0: <laughs> Pressure lift. This is only just the start of me
1: And that was So Below with the track Visions. And I'm here right now with So Below. Maddie, what does So Below mean?
2: Uh, it means nothing, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I liked the name because it rhymed. And I wanted something that was short and sweet. And I, yeah, I spent like weeks because I had my first EP ready. And I had an original name for my project that was called, I think it was called Slow Potion. And that was what my project was originally going to be called. And then I just got weird about it, and I was like, "I just not my. It's not my vibe." I was waiting to put it online, and then the, the only thing holding me back was I had no name.
1: Did slow potion mean something to you?
2: No, I think it was just cool. It was a cool phrase.
1: Do you like magic?
2: I didn't even come up with slow potion. It was my roommate, and he said, "I've got a cool band name for you: slow potion." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing!" And so <laughs> that was yeah, my nameish for a while before I released any music. But yeah, once I was putting it out, I got all weird about it. And then and then I spent weeks trying to think of a name, and I, I probably have 80 word documents of just endless scrolls of names. And then I chose that, and then that's it.
1: Is your difficulty coming up with names why all of your songs are one word?
2: I don't know why. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I did that sort of aesthetically because... I wanted the album to, I thought that would be cool to have all the work, just one word titles, but my album that I'm working on now that I'm putting out this year, all the songs have normal names, not one word names, very normal.
1: Oh, you're breaking the cycle because your, your second album is all one word uh, titles as well.
2: Exactly. Everything I've released so far, except a cover that I released, well, two covers I released that have normal names. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm just, it was just something I was had in my head and I got I don't know. There's something about music where like I'm not the most like eloquent person or it's a real struggle for me writing lyrics, but it's kind of fun. It's a fun process but I always don't want to come across as, like, dumb <laughs> or not.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Like I do. I think it's fun.
2: I think all my first EPs, I, the lyrics were so vague because I didn't want anyone to know what I was writing about or think
1: that the lyrics meant something or that they were dumb. What I find for me personally is bad lyrics really stand out to me and cliched lyrics really stand out to me, but vague lyrics never do.
2: Yeah. That's why I did it. Yeah. I feel like now I'm writing stuff that actually is a little bit more directional and has a point to it maybe and means something. They're still very vague lyrics. Like I don't think anyone is going to listen to any song on this new album and go, that's what that song's about. So yeah, they're still pretty vague, but I think I've just, I'm more confident in myself as an artist. And some of my lyrics in this new album are like bordering on sort of a little cheesy at times, but I don't think they're cheesy. I just feel like maybe other people might think they're cheesy, but I don't care anymore. I think that's my, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't really care anymore. I'm just going to do me. What changed? I just, I'm older. I have been doing this for a while now and even in my original songs my original first ep all the lyrics are just drowned in reverb especially when you're in the studio and you're recording vocals and there's someone sitting next to you listening to every single thing you say and then they mute the song and they just listen to your dry vocal as loud as possible while you're sitting there behind yourself listening to every single little syllable and little mouth (laughs) salivary you yep. <laughs> know noise that you make and it's embarrassing it's it's you know especially when you're starting out everything is embarrassing And yeah, I think I just, I think I like how my voice sounds now. So the songs aren't as drowned in reverb and delay as they used to be. Yeah, I think that's just probably what every artist goes through. You just sort of find yourself and find what you like and how you like your voice to sound.
1: Do you still have five roommates? No, I have one roommate. Well, that's a lot Um, better. I know, I've really cut down. Was the space you guys first moved into big enough? Yeah, it was pretty big. Like, did everyone have a room?
2: Yeah, everyone had a room. (laughs) There. <laughs> if you rent a place in like certain areas in LA, you can get huge places and then usually they have a pool. So we had a pool. We had a spa pool. It was pretty cool.
1: That sounds cool. Yeah,
2: it was pretty cool. It's a good time.
1: Was it hard to let that go?
2: No, to be honest, I don't really like living with people.
1: Yeah. I get it. Sometimes I just want to, like, go into my room and not talk to people. I've always found, like, I'm I'm starting to learn more about that analyzing myself and the things that I like and the way that I am social and not social. And definitely, like, the, the pandemic has sort of brought that out more, like, really figuring out, like, how much social time do I really need? Like, because I do consider myself to be, like, a social person. Mm-hmm. I also really like my personal space. And what I've learned is it's sort of selfish, really. I, I do like to be social, but always on my own terms. For sure. Yeah, exactly. So I like going to parties and I like going out to events and stuff like that. But part of the deal is I like to be able to leave whenever I want. And I feel like when I used to have roommates, the one thing I liked was if I wanted to be social, there was always somebody in the living room I could walk out and like have a conversation or play video games with. But then there was that understanding that, OK, I'm going back to my room now means leave me alone yeah for sure so i've always had this weird thing where i like i like the presence of people it's almost like pets you know what i mean where it's like i like that there's another living thing around me that i can give attention to and that gives me attention but at the same time when i don't want them there anymore i'm like all right get out of here like it's it's my time so it's it's kind of selfish really but i mean that's you know
2: i think yeah i have the exact same opinion yeah and even before before when i lived in new zealand i lived in a house with like eight other people Jesus and well, it was a huge it was a huge okay. space so it was fine but I lived with a few of my close friends and if I was like I'm going to my room they would be like why are you being so antisocial why don't you come down you're being so lame I'm like I hung out with you for the last hour and I just I was at work all day hanging out with people so I just want to have my own space oh yeah and and when I'm at parties like I'm always the ghost exeter I I Never say bye Oh dude
1: I love I love doing that
2: (laughs) I love it I love the sneak out man Yeah It's the best Or you just say I'm going to the bathroom And then they For about 40 minutes Think you're in the bathroom And then they don't even know When you left
1: yeah, I mean, if it's a pretty happening event, like, I don't think anyone really cares. Yeah. I love ducking out. Yeah, it's my favorite. It makes me feel cool, like, where I feel like, yeah, I'm just going to sneak out like I'm some rock star or, like, some movie star that has to be ushered away, and meanwhile, no one gives a shit.
2: Totally. And then everyone thinks that you stayed way longer than you did, yep. and you're, you were, like, in bed before 10s, yeah.
1: right? <laughs> That's. I mean, that's always been the thing. That's why when I think back to when I was younger those were the situations that always made me feel uncomfortable is when I was like I was going to a party but I wasn't the one who drove you know like Mm -hmm. you you all get into someone's car and you have the friend who drives and then there's a point in the night where I always wanted to leave but couldn't and so when I became an adult it was like that's one of my main things is like I just always need to be able to go even when I'm in the movie theater I have to sit on the aisle I just need to know that I can leave I need to know that there's an exit and I can go to it whenever I want
2: for sure I was yeah I'm always the first person that wants
1: to leave always but then again because of covid i haven't really been to the theater that much i saw spider-man that's about it
2: oh yeah i want to see that i saw dune but that was that's all i've seen so far
1: yeah i really enjoyed spider-man like i mean probably by the time this episode airs you will have seen it so yeah uh, i hope you liked it uh,
2: yeah growing up and when i was in high school my biggest crush was toby mcguire i was obsessed <laughs> with him i one summer When we had like a summer off school, I watched Spider-Man every day for (laughs) maybe twice a day. Yeah, for like a month straight.
1: Well, it is a fun movie, man. I still do love the, uh, well, the first two Tobey Maguire ones anyways. I think they're... they're Yeah, the last one was, oh my God, so bad. Yeah, it's a a weird one. For some reason, I have this weird, I don't know why I hyper focus on that movie. Like there's a thing nerds do where there was a period of time where it was very popular for a nerd to go like, I can make the Star Wars prequels good by re-editing them. Oh my God, people did that? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a big thing. And you can see them on YouTube. If you type in like Star Wars re-edit, there's like tons of them, right? Like all these people who feel like they could... And you can't really fix them because they're very strange films. They're just awful. For some reason... Again, because I'm, I'm not trying to separate myself from the nerds. I am also a huge nerd. And for some reason... Yeah, I'm a massive nerd. It's it's Spider-Man 3 for me. is the movie where every so often I will sit down and go, I think this movie can be fixed. <laughs> but it would require a lot of CGI and a bunch of other things. It would require getting rid of his emo fringe hair that he has for half the film for no yeah, reason. Yeah, there would have to be some some definite CGI and some reworking of the plot. And uh, giving James Franco like different armor instead of that outfit he is in like mm-hmm. making him like hobgoblin and giving him like sort of a mask that's a combination of the one from the first movie and like a hood and like making it so he actually becomes actual goblin so he looks interesting like what? any anyway, whatever this is <laughs> yeah you don't want to hear about this i
0: agree
2: with everything you're saying <laughs> it's a trap that movie's a travesty yeah
1: it's too bad it is too bad yeah but uh anyway look how about this I'll tell you what isn't too bad is listening to cool music. <laughs> so let's move ahead here to Left Behind, which is a cool album, and I want to listen to this song called Bone. Woo! Cause it's cool. So this is Bone by So Below.
0: Don't ever think twice about
1: So Below with the track Bone, and I'm here right now with So Below, a.k.a. Maddie. We're just here talking about Spider-Man and having a crush on Tobey Maguire.
0: Woo!
2: Yeah, he's a total babe. I mean, I did write, on Left Behind, there's a song called Us that I wrote about my fictional relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal and that we're gonna... (laughs) Uh, get married and raise our kids in the South of France. Yeah. So that's what us is about. <laughs> and I also just feel like he's never really met me before. Like I know that we don't currently have a relationship, but if he met me in real life, I think there would be sparks. And I think that, you know, <laughs> I think we would move to the South of France and raise a family. So,
1: well, he seems like an interesting guy.
2: Yeah. I'm just waiting. It's just a matter of time. Eventually he's going to stop uh, caring about supermodels and, um, be interested in musicians.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know too much about uh, actors' personal lives.
2: Yeah, I, I actually
1: avoid it at
2: all costs because once you follow someone on Instagram, there's no going back. You see all the worst sides of them, you know, where they're like promoting brands and they're, making weird TikTok videos and it's not cool. So I just don't <laughs> usually follow the people that the actors that I think are
1: cool. Is there a particular actor that this happened with and that's where this story comes from?
2: It is Jake Gyllenhaal.
0: Okay.
1: I followed Jake
2: <laughs> Gyllenhaal <and Holt> <laughs> I followed him on Instagram and he posts like some super tragic stuff. He's like he's a Broadway boy. So he posts like videos of him by the piano like singing these really heartfelt songs. Oh. Which you know Maybe I'm just being mean, but... And then also he makes videos where he's trying to be really funny, and he's not. Mm. But, you know, he's obviously a nice person, so <laughs> I'm still interested. And he's still attractive, so I'm still interested. Jake, if you're out there, I'm still available.
1: I- I'm enjoying your taste in men. It's funny because, remember, Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be the, the possible replacement for Tobey Maguire if his back injury didn't kick him out of Spider-Man 2.
2: No, what? What? He hurt his back?
1: Yeah, I remember he hurt, he hurt his back. And then they threw in that joke in Spider-Man 2 where he's like, oh, my back, because he had like a back injury.
2: Oh my gosh, I remember that joke. I had no idea that that was relating to him in real life. And
1: they do do a callback to it in the new Spider-Man film. Uh, I have to see this film. As far as nerd stuff goes, it is personally, I think, my favorite service y movie I've ever seen.
2: Really? Because it has all the other... Yes, like, a, but because yet.
1: they did it proper, it's weird because this past fall, basically, there was a whole bunch of movies that were all nostalgia based, mm-hmm. right? So we had like Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was leaned heavy on nostalgia for Ghostbusters, like it basically
2: they always though. They're just like remember the old films,
1: right? But I think it was interesting that all of these came out at the same time. For example, like when they did the the other Ghostbusters reboot with the female cast, oh, that was so bad. Yeah, it was. But they they specifically, you know. Oh, it took place in a different universe and they, they didn't acknowledge things. So, so this Ghostbusters movie, very heavy on the references to the first film to the point where... And they even sort of do the same story as well and the same bad guys in it. And then, the, you know, the Ghostbusters show up. Then The Matrix came out Ugh. and that movie was all about nostalgia for the franchise as well. But they sort of poked fun at it. Right. And took it sort of less seriously. And it was sort of a weird film in its own right. And then Spider-Man also embraced the nostalgia but what I found was it was such a satisfying experience because what they did was they didn't pretend that all the bad stuff never happened because you know like some sequels now they try and pretend that the bad sequels didn't happen like mm-hmm. Halloween or Terminator Dark Fate or whatever where they, they go this is the real Terminator 3 not those other four ones that came out you know so this Spider-Man movie it just embraces everything
0: I love
2: it I mean it kind of reminds me of uh, what was the other Spider-Man film that they, um animated one
1: yes yeah Into the Spider-Verse it
2: kind of sounds like that because it's like other spider man from other kind of dimensions or sort whatever
1: of. it's fun because like you have all the villains from the different movies and they say everything you want them to say to each other i just felt like everything was said that needed to be said
2: it's it really reminds me of when i used to be into csi and they did a <laughs> crossover episode of csi uh-huh las vegas and csi miami and it was just incredible it was like everything you wanted it to be you were like i can't believe these people are meeting in real life <laughs> i mean in the show not real life but it was so amazing
1: well if you like that then you're gonna love this because Perfect. as a nerd who likes these sorts of things is like the most comic booky nerdy thing I've ever seen. Like it functions like a sequel wow. to like all the other Spider-Man movies with characters that should never have been in a sequel because they're dead. Right, and so it's like the nerdiest. It just made me so happy. It was. It was. It made me very happy.
2: Man, I want to watch it, but would it ruin it if I watched it on my TV?
1: Well, it will if you're watching a cam. Like if you're about to download some illegal thing that someone like...
2: Oh, I thought that it was online and I was going to watch it this week. Oh, I have to actually go to the cinema? Yeah. Damn.
1: How do you feel about catching COVID?
2: I mean... (laughs) If it's a good enough movie, maybe it's worth
1: it. It is good. Look, if Toby's in it, I mean, I'll be interested. I will say this. He's there, but it's almost like the the movie makers knew what they had to do. And so I think their goal was like let's make people feel a bit better about Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Obviously, they're pushing uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man and finally giving him some serious things to do. And so I think Tobey Maguire was more just, he's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. And he's fine. And he, It's nice to see him. But I feel like they already knew, look, he's the he had the best movies. He's the best one. So like... Gotcha. He just has to show up and people will be happy to see him. So it's not that he does less, but it's like... He doesn't need to redeem himself. Yeah, he doesn't need to redeem. So he's just kind of there and you're just happy to see him. Whereas like they sort of gave more emotional beats and stuff to like the other ones. But <laughs> we just talked about Spider-Man for a whole second. <laughs> I love it. Well, look, how about <laughs> I love the idea when someone like tunes into this show and goes, oh, I can't wait to hear <laughs>
2: <laughs> all about so below."
1: <laughs> the artist. I love so below. And then meanwhile, it's just the host of the show talking about Spider-Man for 10 minutes.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm into it. I love Spider-Man. I love I mean my favorite's probably Batman. Uh. He's my hero.
1: Well, we can talk about Batman after we listen to a song. How about that? Okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, so I want to listen to this track. It's called Over. Cool. And it's a cool track and it's by So Below. Here right now is so below, aka Maddie. Do you say so below or so below? Uh,
2: I think I say so below. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well yeah. then,
1: I've been doing it correctly. Great. So, who's your favorite Batman?
2: <laughs> Definitely Christian Bale. I mean, I like the originals just because they're like Tim Burton films. I mean, they're all good except the obviously the one with George Clooney. But I'm super duper duper excited about these new ones because. I feel like they're kind of leaning more into his detective side. So I feel like that'll be a nice change.
1: Yeah, I love that, man. The animated series when I was a kid, I love that show. And mm, So good. The movies. Well, I mean, like the, the, the Michael Keaton ones. I thought about this a lot. I actually think the George Clooney one is actually better than the Val Kilmer one, but only because it's 100% start to finish terrible. Oh, I
2: mean, I... I really like the film. I think that it's obviously it's not a very good film, but it's hilarious. I love bad films. Yeah. So I take back what I said. I <laughs> I love that Annie's in it. I mean, it's such a good film from start to finish just because it's so, so, so cheesy.
1: Well, that's that's the thing, see, because I feel like the problem with Batman Forever is it's just as terrible, but it doesn't know that it's as terrible you know because it still has moments that are like supposed to be serious that you're supposed to take serious is that the val kilmer one yeah the val kilmer one because obviously batman and robin is way over the top stupid and i think batman forever has just as much stupid shit in it but then it's also kind of trying to take itself seriously too so it's not as fun whereas batman and robin is just so bad yeah but the whole thing is like like there isn't a moment in that movie that isn't fucking stupid and so that's what makes it i think personally makes it better
2: it's incredible i will say though that jim carrey is as like the riddler is just phenomenal i mean (laughs) i recently watched this film and i was blown away by how sometimes you know when you you don't really think that acting is like that much of a skill. you like anyone can act. And then you watch a film and you see someone's performance. Like I watched that recently and I was just blown away by how incredible he is as an actor.
1: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. This is the example. <laughs> when you go, there's just something about the power of acting, like watching Jim Carrey and <laughs> Batman forever.
2: <laughs> I mean, he's so crazy, but he's also so funny and, I guess what I think is so interesting about him in that film is he's so unique as an actor and a person that no one could have done a role like that. He's so original.
1: It, it is a very bonkers performance. I think my issue was there's some really weird sound design in that film. There's that, you know, the sequence where they're blowing up the bat cave and then all of a sudden it starts playing like the baseball music and then Jim Carrey like pretends to spit in a spittoon and there's like a spitting cartoon sound effect Uh I just remember just going like what the fuck is happening (laughs) like (laughs) why why are they playing cartoon noises now
2: it's kind of funny when you're watching it watching a movie with someone and usually for me what I focus on is the hair and the makeup. It's what, it's kind of basically what I do as a, as a job. So, for, especially like on films when there's the continuity with certain things like with wardrobe or hair and or makeup or whatever, it really bothers me. Sure. So, all I do when I watch TV, when I watch movies, I'll say to the person I that was in, next to me I'm, I'm like oh man that wig she was wearing was so bad or be like oh that makeup she had or the hairstyle she had halfway like towards the end was just so shit and then the person next to me be like oh but the cinematography and the sound design and it's like we were watching completely separate films like the things that I noticed they would never notice and you know vice versa
1: I'm wondering then if you notice this because I have noticed this this has stood out to me once everything went HD. So like, you know, obviously when I'm growing up, I'm watching VHS and then DVD and stuff like this. And when Blu-ray came out, I started to notice makeup a lot more. Mm-hmm. It really stood out to me, especially in some of my favorite films, which pisses me off a bit because I love like Back to the Future. I love those films. I just recently
2: re- re-watched all those three films. They there absolutely have no flaws, those films.
1: The old people makeup in the first one, I always used to really like. Mm -hmm. I still do. I think I prefer it to the sequels. The sequels look a bit more rubbery. They've got these, like, kind of rubbery, wrinkly foreheads they put on people and stuff, whereas, like, the the first movie, they just kind of give people wrinkly necks and kind of some bags under their eyes and kind of puffy cheeks and stuff. Yeah. But I noticed when I I watched uh, Back to the Future on Blu-ray that I could almost see the line where the makeup stops. Like they have these wrinkly necks and I can see like where they only like where it stops where their collar is, the collar of their shirt.
2: Yeah, I did notice like you can re- like you can see the hair on someone's face, you know, like the fine hair. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. so um, yeah, you can just see everything.
1: But then what when you say makeup, like what's the makeup that stands out to you? Are we talking like effect makeup or more just like
2: just in general, like bad if someone looks bad or someone's like sweaty or someone's for me, it's more continuity. So like, I feel like big films don't, don't do this, but if you're watching like a something on Netflix or something and someone's hair is in the front and then it cuts to someone else and then it cuts back to them and their hair's, in the back mm. and then you realize that there was no one there to be like no your hair was in the front in the previous scene it just looks bad <laughs> this is just me nitpicking about certain things that no one else even notices but that's why like you don't see that sort of stuff in huge you know multi-million dollar films because that's literally someone's jaw
1: my favorite is the stunt performer that just has completely different hair than the oh yeah i love that <laughs> movie i love is face off you ever seen face off <sighs>
2: I, Face Off is amazing
1: It's such a good film It is an awesome movie Broken
2: Arrow It was like they Those films <laughs> mm. I mean I have two older brothers So I grew up on You know Arnie, Jean-Claude Jackie Chan Those are all the Movies I used to
1: watch as a kid So
2: And they're still the movies I watch now And I'm like oh,
1: So good I'm even coming around to the action movies I didn't love in the 90s because everything now is very digital. You know, like it's all digital blood hits when the people get shot and digital muzzle flashes in front of the guns and stuff like this. And so there is something that feels a bit more real, I suppose, about the action in the in the older movies, at least like, you know, when they're doing stunts and stuff, you know, it's like, hey, that's a real stunt. Mm-hmm. That was a real explosion, you know, like everything now just feels like, ah, they just pasted an explosion on the screen and all this blood is is just pasted on the screen and it doesn't feel as uh, visceral, I guess.
2: Yeah, I guess for me it's more like scripts and character development and that sort of stuff. That's why I feel like Back to the Future and all those kinds of films back in the day were just so well written and well thought out and there's nothing like those films anymore.
1: I wonder too if it's just because there's so much content that less thought goes into it cuz this is something I noticed too like when uh, like most of my favorite movies are from the 80s and 90s like that's just the way it is. And I feel like there was still that point when they just put so much thought into the preparation of the film because you had to get most of it in camera mm-hmm. and so you just had to think harder you know Because it was on, yeah because
2: it was on film yeah
1: and then you compare that to you know the big budget Marvel movies and these are like hundred million dollar films where they don't even know what the costumes are going to look like because they're going to be CGI'd in later and then meanwhile you watch an old movie where everything is so meticulously placed in the frame and, and they have to plan all this you know like years in advance because once it's filmed it's filmed like you're not going to go back in with a computer in the 80s and like fix the background and like cgi a mustache off somebody's face or something like that's just not gonna happen
2: (laughs) yeah for sure those marvel like all the avengers films like i hate those films i as and that's probably an unpopular opinion
1: (laughs) well they're still gonna make their money regardless of how (laughs) it just bothers me
2: that these films have like bajillion dollar budgets and they can't even write a good script. Every single one of those films is about collecting objects. Like collecting the boxes, collecting the cubes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when you get them all together, then this thing happens. It's like, what is the storyline? Like even Transformers films were all about collecting cubes.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of cubes out there.
2: Yeah, and the the <laughs> last Wonder Woman mo- film, she was collecting an object. It's like, what is why? Why <laughs> just have a normal film with a bad guy where you you know it's a normal film.
1: Yeah, I think that's what's happening now. Is like things are becoming overcomplicated, and I miss the simplicity of like a straight straightforward narrative where you're like hey it's an action film the bad guys you gotta stop them and like that's yeah. that's the story and it's so much easier to follow like i i find the marvel movies entertaining but i don't love them the same way that i loved the superhero movies from before like every like five or six marvel movies there'll be one that i'm like okay that one was kind of special or whatever mm-hmm. and then there's yeah, a whole yeah. bunch in between that i find they're not mediocre they're just kind of there like i'm not moved i watch them and i go okay that was like a fun popcorn movie but like it ultimately didn't move me i wasn't happy or sad i just sort of looked at the screen
2: right, like watching this Schneider what's his name schneider cut oh yeah <laughs> like my god i was like i'm never gonna get those five hours back <laughs> like that those are gone forever that film was just i mean wow
1: yeah, it was... Whatever. Zack Snyder's a funny guy, because he, he will do sequences I like. I think, you know, like, visually, there'll be a moment where I'm like, that was a cool moment, but then the rest of the films are always, like, really over-serious, mm-hmm. so sometimes those moments don't carry as much weight when, like, every single character is super serious and depressing, and after a while, it's sort of, like, relentless when you just watch four so, hours yeah. of, like, depressing people. Exactly. It's... it's Whatever. Anyway. Look... <laughs> Let's listen to the track Sway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that sound means, but uh... it's a good one. It's a good song. All right, well, let's do it. This is Sway by So Below. And that was so below with the track sway and i'm here right now with so below aka maddie talking about superheroes and stuff and uh, yeah so what do you do when you're not making music
2: i do hair and makeup like for editorials and fashion shoots it's very weird that i do that because i'm a massive tomboy, so i don't even know how i just randomly got into it when i was like in my early 20s and then i just sort of Kept doing it because I had friends and music that were wanting people to do hair and makeup on their music videos and stuff. So I kind of just ended up doing a ton of music videos early on. And then, yeah, I I still do music videos all the time. Yeah. It's mainly fashion stuff. I don't do movies or anything like that. That's a whole different kettle of fish.
1: You've got a funny life. You seem to stumble into everything.
2: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's weird because, like, I'd moved back from Japan And I was like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And a bunch of my friends were doing a makeup course. And I was like, makeup? So stupid. And so I (laughs) did, but I was like, I have nothing better to do. So I did the course with them and it was whatever. I didn't like love it. But then they all, all my friends that did it ended up just getting normal jobs, like office jobs. And then, yeah, I just kind of ended up falling into doing it more because, yeah, as I said, I I just have, I have a lot of musician friends and they were like oh you do hair and makeup great so you can do it for our music video so yeah i kind of just yeah as you said i stumbled into it i I like it i mean it's nice because i'm freelance so i'm my own boss really and it's really good because it's i can work when i want to work and if i wanted to take two months off to go touring i can anything's better really than Doing a nine
1: to five, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Wait, so do you do your own hair and makeup when you're doing music videos? your music videos? I do,
2: I think if someone else did it and they weren't someone that was really good, I'd be really bothered right. <laughs> I'd be judging them hard. It's tough though because I can't obviously see into the monitor, so I have no idea how I look, so yeah, it is better having another person there, but um, but yeah, I don't really know what my point is. <laughs> um, yes, I do my own hair and makeup for <laughs> music videos.
1: So then, like, how do you get work? Do you, like, advertise yourself, or is it mostly just people who, like, know you do it?
2: A little bit of both. I've been doing it for, you know, ever since I've been here, so I do have a lot of people that just hit me up, but I also have an agent, and she gets me a lot of work. So it's kind of nice. I mean, it's nice when someone else is doing the hustle for you.
1: A makeup agent.
2: It's a thing. It's a thing. There's In uh, LA, there's a bunch of agencies that represent
1: photographers, wardrobe stylists, hair and makeup um anything creative really i never thought about that in my life the idea that there would be agents for like i always just think of like if you're an actor you have an agent and stuff but i never considered like other things in the creative field that would also be helpful to have an agent for
2: yeah i mean there's like a couple of agents like uh, agency sorry like i guess war group is like the main one and they do all the celebrities so Every single A-lister goes to that agency. Uh, But my agent is only fashion, so we don't do sort of celebrity stuff. It's kind of a nightmare, to be honest. (laughs) I do musicians, like celebrity musicians, but that's kind of the, the max that I'll do. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, it's weird. Celebrity cultures are weird. When you're in a room and there's someone in the room that is so much more important than anyone else in the room. Do you know what I mean? It's just the weird, and you know, they'll make a joke and everyone will like force a laugh out.
1: I want people to do that to me. I know. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of knowing how unfunny I am when I talk, and <laughs> everyone just sits there and stares at me.
2: I know. I'm like, I can't wait until I'm like a huge celebrity, and I can be rude and mean to everyone.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but yeah, I just it's mainly I just mainly do like fashion, so I work with a lot of models and um, you know photographers, stylists, that sort of that sort of jazz. My job helps me fund music. You know, I, I mean, a music video like the cheapest music video you could probably do is like ten thousand dollars. You know, so it's like that stuff everything costs like a tour if i was going to tour the states it would probably cost me I don't even know. Minimum 20K.
1: Yeah. And it also can't really be worth it now. Like, I, I know a lot of people have problems, obviously, like artist friends who live overseas and stuff. And they were always going off about how much money it costs just to like get in yeah. to the countries. And, you know, like Canada has fees they charge and the states have fees they charge. And they were talking about how expensive it was just to even get into tour. Like, not even about the, the van rental and the driving around and all that, but just like, I forget if it was the states or Canada, something where it's like they literally just had to pay like several thousand dollars like just to do it you know what i mean like if you're coming in from overseas and then it depends what country you're coming from and blah blah blah
2: yeah i mean i've done a couple tours in the uk and europe and you have to just tell them that you're working and then you have to apply for a work permit which is like i think it was like 40 dollars or something well, that's not bad yeah to my memory but i didn't yeah
1: this time period sucks right now i imagine for uh independent artists because i know even at the best of times even if you know you do have a lot of listeners and stuff sometimes that means you're gonna go to some city that might have like you know like 10 people show up or you know what i mean like eight people
2: yeah i mean well the thing that like happened right after the pandemic was not that we're not in it anymore but right kind of when things were opening up again everyone that hadn't played for a whole year over a year was like right i want to play a show so it was i tried to book some shows and it was basically impossible no one would get back to you no one would or they would say we're booked for the next six months you know so and it's basically anyone that has a huge following or has a label or or knows someone that knows someone and it's so it was just really tough at the beginning but yeah i I, what you said about people not coming i mean the biggest streams for me come from los angeles Mm. but i played a show a few months ago and like it was so lame. I sold like forty tickets. There was other people. It was a multiple shows. A, sorry, multiple bands that show that played. Mm. But me, me personally, I only sold like forty tickets. So it's kind of like at the end of the day, it's if you're like an artist that doesn't have a label behind you and doesn't have you know management and all that sort of stuff and PR. You really have to post on social media and just promote yourself as much as possible, which kind of sucks because, you know, a lot of musicians are like introverts. They don't want to be exposing their whole life and every single tiny little thing that they do on social media, but it's kind of like part of the course. Like it's... So important. And I think that, that when I played that show, it was kind of an eye-opener that I haven't really been putting enough effort into my social media and that sort of stuff. It sucks
1: because I hate all that stuff.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I don't hate it, but I'm like, I don't want to get it fucking TikTok.
1: You know, and I do have
2: one, but I'm like, I don't want to post on it. I don't want to post
1: stupid. TikTok's a trap because you can't use TikTok the way that you want to. You know, my wife loves TikTok, and so she's always scrolling through there, and she'll tell me like, "Oh, put this up or post yourself doing this," and I'm like, "But that has nothing to do with me." (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, like I have a particular sense of humor, and you know, I'll, I'll use Instagram and occasionally like post images or videos and stuff. And TikTok doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? It's not like. I'm not gonna do a choreographed dance to that fucking Oh No song. Like, why would I do that? Like, again, it's sort of going back to, like, when we first started talking. It's like, there's something that really annoys me about trends, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, like, if you can sort of stand out and be different, and I don't think TikTok is for you... If you are a person who doesn't conform, because TikTok is all about like, hey, what's the hot trend? Now let's watch 40,000 people do the exact same thing that that other person did. And if you're an artist and have an artistic mindset, I I can't imagine enjoying that.
2: It's more that like there's people out there that do create original content and really interesting content like musicians and stuff but they have a full team of people they have social media managers they have everything like Charlie XEX, her social media is so good and her TikTok is awesome everything about her is awesome. I once went to a party and she was at the party and she was just a guest at the party She had two photographers just following her around the whole time. Everything she did, they videoed it, they shot it. It was crazy. So I'm like, no wonder she has fucking the most amazing photos, the most amazing videos. It's because every single aspect of her life is documented and she just has like endless amounts of content. And she knows, she
1: has a good budget. What bothers me about that is when it has nothing to do with what I do, I get really annoyed by anything that has nothing to do with the main mission. Right. So if I'm like making a short film or I'm making this podcast, right? So I make this show. And so if someone says, oh, you can promote the show by I'll film this 10 second loop of you jumping on a balloon (laughs) and uh, we'll play this latest techno song and you can have your logo flipping around. I'm like, but that has nothing to do with this. I just want to make the show. And I want this lady's PR team, is what I'm saying, to follow me around with cameras and make my content for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually read something recently on um, Twitter. A manager, I guess he was talking about what artists have to do these days to become successful. And he was saying there's two types of artists. There's an artist that has made great music, and now they're like joining social media and having to grow their social media. And it's maybe not something that they want to do. And it's like weird for them. And then there's this type of artists or there's just the influences or the people that have a following already. They've built a fan base and then they do music. He was saying those are the two types of artists currently and just how that affects the artists that have made amazing music. And I guess his example was like if Oasis was around right now and made music right now would anyone give a shit because they probably would have a terrible social media they wouldn't have you know they wouldn't be able to make good content (laughs) so yeah it's just kind of like the that it's a new era of of artists really it's like if you don't have a good social media following and you can't make good content then you're kind of irrelevant unless you know you have a label and people kind of helping you create that
1: I make this show sort of in and around the synthwave scene, which is sort of like a nostalgia-based, you know, electronic music scene and synth-pop and stuff like that. And I know a lot of very talented people who make very awesome, well-produced music even if they are bedroom producers, right? You know, a guy mm-hmm. with a laptop or whatever, but it's still great music. And then a guy like The Weeknd, who basically makes synthwave music, he's got the backing you know what I mean? Like he can come out with an album and instantly every track gets, you know, like six million plays like in the first day. For sure. And he's essentially making music that the artists in the scene that I'm in, like the synthwave scene, have been making music like that since for at least like 10 years, more even some of them. And, you know, they just don't have millions of dollars behind them. Right. So, yeah, it's depressing a bit.
2: It's crazy. I mean, yeah, I do have friends that I think are so exceptionally talented and you know they just don't you know and this is everyone we, they just don't get the plays that they deserve whereas you know like lords last album obviously wasn't like a total banger but you know all the singles still you know got so much attention and so many plays but when those big artists it doesn't really matter what they put out. I mean even like um, some of my friends that are with labels a lot of them are only signing artists like rap artists because that's the music currently that's like making the most money streaming wise. Right. So yeah it's it's tough out there (laughs) in the
1: real world. Yeah well how about this let's listen to one more song and then maybe we can wind down it's like we had all this fun today, but then we sort of like <laughs> went into this depressing territory. Yeah. We'll liven this back up and then we'll say goodbye. How about this? Why don't you pick a song?
2: You know what? I've got a song to pick. I did a cover of a Backstreet Boys song and it's on the album. No one knows that it's a Backstreet Boys cover, but it is. It's called
1: Breathe. All right, let's do it. This is Breathe by So Below. And that was so below with the track breathe and i'm here right now with so below aka maddie we can start to wind things down now is there is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about
2: no i mean we talk about spider-man that was the main thing i wanted to yeah <laughs> talk about um my love for toby Maguire. yeah um No, I mean, I guess I didn't say that the reason that this Breathe was on the album is I'm a huge Backstreet Boys fan. And the reason that I wanted to play it was because you were saying earlier that you don't really like that era
1: of music. Well, see, here's the thing, because what is going to surprise my listeners is as much as I bash the 90s, I actually prefer the later 90s stuff because I find it it's more fun. Like, I like music with a cool melody. I like uh, music that inspires me visually, like cinematic stuff, uh, electronic music. But I also like synth pop. I just like a nice melody. That's my main... My main love is a nice melody. hmm same. When you do get into sort of like the later 90s stuff, the, the music is more fun. So as cheesy as Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and all this stuff are, it's definitely more fun music to listen to mm-hmm. than some droopy love pop song by Mariah Carey. Like it's, it's, you know, they, they've got a fun beat and, you know, you can dance to it. And I used to be able to do the sync dance. The, Ooh, <laughs> you know, okay what was, what was the one? Now we're getting somewhere. Well, no, because the, the show is over. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, bye. bye. So that period of time, I actually enjoyed a bit more because at least that music sort of reminded me more of like fun pop music. Yeah. (laughs) Again, my audience will turn on me when we get to there because when they find out I actually like shares Believe, <laughs> there's going to be oh, some problems. Love share. Hey, when, when they first introduced Auto-Tune, I thought it was really cool. I was like, hey, this is a neat sounding vocal effect. And then, of course, it became a crux for so many people. And there's so many artists mm-hmm. who sing with Auto-Tune and it all sounds the same. But when they first introduced it, I love new and weird synth things and effects and stuff like that. It's, it's fun and exciting. And then if it becomes, you know, like where everyone uses it then it's a problem Mm -hmm. but like
2: you know for sure yeah i remember yeah that song is was very different and unique
1: at the time i mean it seems silly to say that now because it is sort of it's a very cheesy song but like at the time it was it felt cutting edge it was like it felt like oh i'm listening to something new i've never heard this weird vocal effect before like it just seemed cool yeah i like music even from like the 70s and 80s when they sing in vocoders and uh that thing where they like kind of blow into like a straw. What the fuck's that thing called? Oh, what? You blow into a straw that goes into like the keyboard. It's like a pipe, and
2: <gasps> you know
1: they go like wow like, wow. Yeah,
2: I think I know what you mean.
1: And now I forget what that thing is called.
2: Just make up a word. Schmoo schmoo. Vox
1: box something. Vo- box. Talk box. Talk box. That's it-, it. Talk box. That's gotta be it. Yeah. Anyway, look the. <laughs> The point is that it's been fun chatting with you.
2: Yes, you too.
1: I hope you have a lovely uh, LA evening.
2: I will. I just bought an Oculus, so I will be playing Beat Saber probably till about 2 a.m.
1: Now, did they officially, like, disconnect it from Facebook as of now? Disconnect Beat Saber? No, um, for a while there, because you remember Facebook bought Oculus, and then they made it so if you bought an Oculus, you had to sign in with your Facebook account in order to use it. Mm-hmm. But then they said they were going to be removing that feature, and... And I don't know if they've done that yet. Oh, uh,
2: they have not removed it yet because I had to use I had to sign in.
1: OK, so I bought
2: it yesterday. <laughs> OK, so I had to sign in with my Facebook account.
1: Yes. Oh, so when the hell are they going to do that? Because I, I had the PlayStation VR, but I just happened to be one of those sad sacks that uh, gets nauseous. Ah. Oh. Yeah, I, I didn't know I'd be one of them, but uh, I am. Which sucks.
2: That sucks.
1: I can only really play, like, the shooting gallery games, like, where you don't move. Those are the only ones I can really get away with.
2: Yeah, I, like, really want to play the new Half-Life, but it looks really scary. (laughs) You know, when you're actually in VR, you're really there, you know? It's like, it really is immersive.
1: I mean, that does seem to be the highest rated VR game, right? I feel like everyone seems to think that's the best one right now, is Half-Life Alex right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I played the last one, but... That was just you know it's just you're just there you're in your own house but this one you're really in the world I feel like I could do it if I could play it if I take a Xanax
1: <laughs> and then I could play it
2: uh, we'll see maybe I could just drink a few um, wines and I'll and then I'll be good
1: You've been in L A too long What would your your New Zealand friends think of you saying that I'm just gonna pop a Xanax They'd be like What Xanax Yeah
2: <laughs> Like Oh My God <laughs>
1: Well, anyways, listen, uh, keep on making cool music. I will. You said you're working on a new album now. Do you have like a rough timeline when that's going to come out? Or is this like a in a two years kind of thing? Or what's the deal?
2: I mean, I thought it was going to come out last year and then it didn't. The thing is... I don't have a manager. I don't have a label. I don't have anything. So there's no one literally giving me a timeline. I give myself timeline. So it's pretty hard. I just have to hurry myself, which is a very difficult thing. So yeah, I, I imagine, uh, hopefully towards the end of the year, the album would come out and singles would come out kind of towards the middle of the year is kind of my fantasy.
1: Mm.
2: Probably extremely unrealistic, but who knows?
1: Well, we'll look forward to that. Great. all right well people should go uh listen to the music of so below where where do they go sobelow.org
2: yeah so gov. Yeah. <laughs> um, just on Spotify, mate. Spotify. Get on spotty.
1: And you're also there on Bandcamp as well. People can buy the tunes.
2: Oh, yeah. Buy it. Buy it. And I get money.
1: That's better, right? Don't you want people to buy it? Isn't that where you want the...
2: Yeah, give me the money. I mean, <laughs> I think that, I think if you were going to buy anything, buy a vinyl. This neat. You know, you get a cool vinyl for your house.
1: You heard it here... <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Is what I was about to say. That's a sentence I've never said in my life. But uh, you did. You heard it here first. Go get a So Below vinyl. And uh, by the way, I'm really bad at ending conversations, which is why <laughs> this is still going. So you going. just
2: like pretend that you're going under a bridge or something, and then you just hang up.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I'm still stuck in the same. Like when I was in high school, I used to always talk on the phone, and so I still for some reason treat this show the same way whereas like when it t- comes time to say goodbye i sort of say kind of like 50 goodbyes as the thing goes until the person goes all right i really have to go now <laughs> it's like it's supper time i love it yeah i mean that's i'm i'm not great at goodbyes either well then this is uh <laughs> this is gonna be tough <laughs> i'm just gonna hit to disconnect anyway it was good talking to you maddie uh keep on making cool tunes and uh we'll we'll play them on the show when you when you come up with your thing at the end of twenty twenty four. Yep. Twenty thirty. What year are we in now? Twenty twenty two. Yeah. All right. Eight years to go. See you
2: in see you in eight years.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, take care.
2: <laughs> Alrighty. Bye.
1: And that was my conversation with So Below. I hope you enjoyed that. I had fun chatting with her. Go check out her tunes. And who knows, maybe there'll be some new cool stuff coming out shortly. And uh, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say. So tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synth wave chat show there is. I will let you all know I have been recording a ton of interviews last week and this week. So we got a bunch of uh, guests who have not been on the show before, and I decided to also record uh, some catch-up with some people as well. So there is uh, lots of stuff coming. Hopefully I can churn these out a bit faster because I don't want them to be like eight months old before they come out. So uh, that's the plan. So stay tuned because there's going to be lots of uh, fun shows coming up. And that is all I have to say. So have a lovely week. Keep on being cool. And tune in next time to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is...
0: Beyond Synth is made possible by the supporters on Patreon and PayPal. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a supporter at patreon.com slash Synth or donating via PayPal at beyondsynth.com. If you want to submit music to the show, please email beyondsynthsubmissions at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. May the Force be with you.